from the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tail. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put a pause on the introduction, man. Ring podcast with Ranger Proud. Led conversation with uh, Ranger Proud. Shout out to RP. Got Glenn with us. Uh, my tablet is on its last lifeline, yo. <laughs> Uh, when I get back, I'm going to have to get a new device. And, uh <laughs> was not expecting uh, the technical difficulties from my end, but Ranger Proud uh, leads the conversation tonight. Got Glenn with us, man. RP, I see you, man. What's up, man? How you doing, bro? Hey, how's it going, Steve? How's everything? Enjoying the trip? Bro, I'm tired as hell, man. <laughs> like, my whole seat pack is jacked up, man. Because it's all weird. Like, I had to take a nap so I could be up for you guys. You know what I'm saying? So... Just That's dedication, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I didn't want to cancel. I, I figured I'd take a risk and take a chance for you guys tonight and tomorrow for the hoops where I knew in about a month or two in advance the situation will come, you know, where it's possible it could or could not work. It sounds like it's working this far. You can hear my voice. Um, yeah, we yeah what's good, man? How you doing? Oh, good, good. Good, good very good. good. All right, cool, So who, who cool. stays with us? Glenn okay. is with us or Scott? Glenn, I think, yeah, Glenn is with us. Glenn, are you, you out there? Yes, I am. I'm here with you guys. Good to be back with you guys and uh, um, ready to talk some Ranger hockey after missing last week because I was at the Minnesota game. So uh, looking forward to get back to talking about it. Nice. Okay, I, I will go on mute. Let RP lead the conversation. And uh, I only only have one question, RP, because honestly I did not see any of the games live. I had to catch up through highlights uh, of the games. But I just my only main question, you can lead the conversation, what the hell happened in the Montreal game? <laughs> I mean, that's the only <laughs> question I can really think of. I tell you, I tell you what, the Montreal game, they, and Gawain said it, the Rangers took that game, even though they had 40 shots on net, I just think they thought they were just going to wallop the Canadians the way they walloped Columbus on Monday night. And they couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was – 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Some of them were good shots. Some of them were like perimeter shots. Their goaltender played very, very well. But it was almost the same game as the Star game. The Rangers couldn't score until the last, you know, seven-tenths of a second. So the, the Rangers scoring those two out of three crazy. games – I mean, it was it was a great two and a half minutes, but that entire game you wanted to just you, you couldn't figure out where they couldn't score and they couldn't put the puck in the net and things weren't going their way. It was a very the first period was so boring. It wasn't an enjoyable hockey game. And then even Steve Alaquette on the on the, the Rangers in between period was like, this game has no flow. The goalies were boring. It was it was just nothing to it. And then the second period got better. And then the last two minutes of that third and the overtime was probably the best hockey you've seen all season. That's how entertaining and exciting it was. That lead-up to that tying goal was about a minute and 36 seconds nonstop in Dallas's end. It was just incredible. You're right, Glenn. Oh, I mean, most exciting ending, certainly, of the year. Um, and, and, you know, probably uh, for quite a long time. I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, even – even with a few seconds left, the puck was over in the far corner, and you're like, all right, this is over. Uh, then all of a sudden it yeah. comes out in front. There's a little scramble. comes out to uh, Keandre. It's a, it's a good thing Trocek couldn't reach it. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows what he would have done. But, you know, it came out That's to Keandre, got the shot, 
I mean, good luck came right back on his stick, and he was able to slide it through uh, uh, Ottinger's legs. But uh, it really kind of came out of nowhere. Like, like you say, RP, they had that pressure on there for like a minute and a half and had some good chances. Oh. But you know, right toward the end there, it had come out of the zone with like 20-something seconds left. And, you know, you were kind of feeling, eyes. Ah, they're not going to be able to, to put it back together to get a good opportunity. Um, and then, you know, the same thing in the overtime. Uh, great defensive play by Zabanajad at the Ranger blue line. Oh, yeah. Um, brings, brings it up. And, uh, you know, they're, they're scrambling around Panera. It was a great pass. It was kind of, kind of right. like one of Just those. Right, a sneaky, uh, a little sneaky yeah, Adam Fox. It was, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of like one of those back shoulder passes that a quarterback throws to uh, a wide receiver um, where yeah. nobody can get for Panera, and he slips through, gets a good opportunity. Zabanajad gets it, uh, knocks it off the stick of Heiskanen, and, you know, again, they're scrambling around, scrambling around and next thing you know, it's in the net. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was like an edge of your seat last couple of minutes of the game in the overtime. Um, and then, uh, you know, followed by two, uh, you know, kind of snoozer games. Um, I didn't get to see the Montreal game either. There was a matter of this football game that was on that, that uh, kind yeah, of had I was my flipping. attention. I, I hear you. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, was um, right with I was flipping back and forth and trying to catch, you know, if a tweeted highlight came, I, I flip it back on to it. But, yeah. you know, that was a game where it, it, it was an, an unusual game. I would have thought the Rangers would have had more jump because the Canadians played the night before against the Islanders. Yeah. And I, I they just didn't it, – it's exactly what Gallant said. He goes, you, you know, that that was the trap game coming off an, an incredible comeback on Thursday yep. night, and you didn't expect it. You, you really didn't expect it. But the Rangers had 39 shots on goal, and, and uh, their goaltender, Montebault, made 38 saves. You know, their top guy, Caulfield, put the puck in the net, and it was one of those games where, you, you know, it came down to the last minute and a half, and I'm going to myself, well, they're not going to pull a goalie and score again when they empty net two games in a row. Just odds aren't with you. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity of those last three, four minutes. If they would do that in an entire game or more often than just when they're so desperate, they'd be such a uh, a great offensive prowls of, of a team that people would really fear them. And, you know, Glenn, another thing I noticed was Gallant did something we haven't seen in a long time in the in the overtime game. If you notice mm-hmm. when when, uh, when Keandre Miller scored, he put him out with Fox and took Lindgren off the line. And he even mm-hmm. commented about it. He goes, he had nothing, nothing against Lindgren. He's a great player. But when you're looking for the offense, those are his two number one guys. Pressure on. They have a, a, a great knack of stopping the puck on the blue line from clearing. However, they do it. They're really smart with the puck. Fox is so patient with the puck. You saw that with the overtime goal. He, it's amazing how cool he is when he has the mm. puck on his stick. But I was really impressed that Gallant made that move to try and find a little bit more offense in there. You know, Kreider wasn't playing. They they weren't scoring anything, and then. To have that happen just shows that I think the coach, he's had a, a struggle this season too, as has the team. And I think you're starting to see him make the moves again that he was making last year to find ways to win hockey games. The Canadian mm-hmm. game was the Canadian game. It, it, you want to know something there? I, I, I'm not great with this stat. I think the Rangers are 14-3-2 or 15-3-2 in their last 20 games. You, you're going to mm-hmm. lose hockey games. 
and no loss is ever. I don't care what anyone says. There's no such thing as a good loss. You lose 2-1, you lose because you didn't score, so it's not a good loss. So the Canadian game, you're going to lose games here and there. It's just going to happen, and it seems to happen against this year that the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams, which is the mm-hmm. opposite of what they did last year. And, you know, now, Glenn, we got Boston on Thursday night. Talk about a, uh, a, a moment to see where this team stands going into the second half of the season. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Boston has been unbelievable. They just lost their, their first game to Seattle, of all teams, uh, in uh, regulation at home. And we're in the middle of January. Oh, wow. It's just uh, unbelievable, the the, uh, the the season that they're having. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be real interesting to see how the Rangers uh, do against them because you're absolutely right. I mean, even the uh, – I mean, the Columbus game, even when it was 2 nothing, I mean, you kind of felt like – this game's over. I mean, Columbus is not going to come back and win this game. So, um, no. you know, it was a little, little bit of a snooze fest, but you kind of can put your feet up and say, no, nah, this this game's over. But, uh, yeah, the Boston game is going to be a real test for this team, and it, it's coming at a good time, too, I think, with the the, uh, the streak that the Rangers are on now, like you said, only losing a couple of games in regulation in the last uh, 20 games. So, I think this is going to be a good uh, a good test for them, and it's coming at a good time because uh, uh, I really kind of feel that the Rangers are going to uh, eventually pass the Devils and 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 wind up coming in second in the division. But uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do against Boston, who's been getting unbelievable goaltending from Linus Olmark, who I always thought was a pretty good goalie in Buffalo. He just didn't, never had the support. Uh, but now he's obviously getting the defensive support in, in Boston, and uh, he's showing that he's one of the better goalies in the league. Absolutely. I have a question you know, for you guys. Oh, go ahead. Okay, you can, you can fit one in. <laughs> <laughs> is that game, I didn't check the schedule. Is the game in Boston or is that home? home. Not at home. Should have checked the schedule. So, okay, so here's my question. Because uh, RP and he's absolutely correct when he says this for years, you got to defend home ice, whether you know playoffs, regular season. So why the low scoring at home? Is it because guys are out of the lineup? Like if we didn't score until like what a second left in the game? Because I didn't see the ebb and flow of the game, just highlight. And this Montreal, you should have got to score against Montreal. They're not a good team. So why the low scoring at yep. home? And especially, well, um, it seems like. Since the, since the the game we were on last week, it felt it feels or it seems like based off what I last Tuesday and the, through the, the next game, it's been the Keandre Miller Adam Fox trail. Why the score mm-hmm. only from the defenseman? Where's the forwards? Well, there's. What do you think it is going before I jump on that? You know, I I mean I don't really have a good answer. I mean, uh, you know, this team was. Uh, a really good team on the road last year as well, and they are this year. Um, I don't really have a good answer for why they're they're struggling as much as they are at home. Uh, and like Steve pointed out, I think the Rangers are like third in the league in uh, points by defensemen. So they're getting a lot of offense from the defense, but I don't know why it's not translating at home. So I don't know. You got any ideas, RP? I think – I never thought I'd say this. I really think the team misses – what Chris Kreider brings to the table every night, and you're seeing it now. You know, they always say it's always never, maybe it's not always greener on the other side. 
the power play is totally, the whole dynamic is different without Kreider. And it's no knock to Lafreniere. You have a guy playing on the top power play unit that doesn't have a power play goal in his career yet. It's a young career, but he's getting his opportunities. But Kreider was so much more experienced with that first power play unit. And they have been scoring a little bit on it. Uh, the second power play unit's been scoring. And I yeah. just think overall, Kreider not in that lineup. And you want to know something? Gutierrez not in that lineup has diminished the fourth line, I think, in my eye, dramatically. I, I am really not a big Sammy Blaze fan. Um, he plays aggressive and he plays hard, but there is absolutely no offense out there. And when you have a guy like Brzezinski and Gutierrez, both guys that, yeah, they're not scoring a lot of points, but they have the potential to. They have the smarts out there. They have the hands. I like decisions. We just got him from Vegas. I think he's played mm-hmm. two games for the Rangers now. He's a feisty little guy. He works hard every single shift. And I really like to see if they can put decisions on the wing with Brzezinski and Gutierrez with that brings, if they can work that out. Um, but I, I think also, Steve, a lot with the scoring, you know, we're playing VC on the second line right now. And it's not, he's just not a second line player. Yeah. And he has good hands, and he works hard, but that, you know, sometimes you need that scoring touch, that how the puck finds you, or, you know, hate to say it, but like a Jack Hughes on a double. Whether he is, the puck just finds you sick. You know, it's yeah. like Panarin. The puck just, it, the puck just finds him. The puck doesn't find you. He has to work for it, and God knows he works for it. But he's not the second-line player. And without Kreider up there, he had to do the best he can to change lines around her, and I think that's hurting the offense a little bit. You know, they walked into a couple of hot goaltenders. Montreal goalie mm-hmm. did make some fantastic saves. I mean, the Dallas goalie, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. He made some incredible saves in that game. The Rangers could have been up multiple goals. Mm-hmm. And that you have to overcome. They aren't playing as dominating at home, but they're not getting killed at home. They just, whatever reason, the puck isn't going in that as often on home ice. And that's just something they're going to have to overcome. But you look at the, where they are in the standings, and where are they? you know you got to you, you got to be happy with with how they're playing and and you know just where they're looking at. Wouldn't you say, Glenn? Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree. You know, I, I I was kind of thinking about this subject uh, before we came on, and I was looking at just around the league. And it's amazing how many teams, there's a number of teams that have a significantly better record away than they do at home. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, I mean, you know, the de- the Devils, I'm, I'm looking at the Devils right now for the start that they're off. They're 11-10-2 at home, and they're 18-2-1 and one on the road. Wow. Um, I have a, a, a couple of I have a slight theory about that, and – this is for you too, RP and Glenn. This is across sports in general. I thought about this on other sports shows because we came up in the era, like you guys are a little bit older than me as far as like that was your thing, like defend home ice because back in those days it was like, basically the internet has been a game changer as far as promotion, social media, AAU circuits on, on basketball, junior hockey, when it comes to hockey. So I think there's this adage where – older sports fans like myself and you guys and Scott, where we grew up on defending the home turf because 
you had to dominate that first, and then you see where you mm-hmm. are, how you are on the road. Where I think that's that 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 paradigm shift has shifted in all sports. Although the, most teams are better at home anyway, it's not as dominant like it was back in the day. So, mm-hmm. too, you have a lot of these players who are playing in any of these sports leagues now where they're so comfortable traveling because they've probably been traveling, depending on what sport, but as, as young as 13, 12. So going on the road is actually exciting for a lot of these now pro athletes mm-hmm. or even collegiately basketball, volleyball, whatever sport. It doesn't matter. They, it's not that unknown factor like what we've grown up under in that adage of, Okay, you got to dominate at home, which you did back then. A lot of great teams dominated at home. Even great teams today don't dominate as what they did a generation ago, two generations ago. But that's mm-hmm. my thoughts. What are your thoughts on that guy? I mean, I, Steve, you're, you're totally right. I mean, I remember, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, especially in the 70s, the Rangers would lose like three games at home all season. They'd go like 30 and three and, you know, a bunch of ties. Um, and it was the same, I think, in in, uh, in basketball too. Even into the eighties, just look at those those Laker teams and the Celtics. Um, I mean, they, I mean, you had no chance of going into their building and 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 winning. They lose a couple of games every year, even the the Bulls later on. But you know, we talked about this uh, before about how the Garden isn't the same as it was back then. The crowd's not the same. It's not as mm-hmm. intimidating of a building for visitors to come into. And, you know, that's probably the case in, in a lot of arenas around the league now. Uh, and, and you're totally right. Teams don't dominate at home like they used to. And, uh, you know, a lot of teams feel comfortable, you know, getting on the road. They talk about, you know, the guys getting together and having dinners and the camaraderie and everything. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It's not the way it was uh, going back years ago. Would you agree, RP? Oh, yeah, it, it's a different the, – the whole home in a way is a different – that goes back to what you guys were saying. A lot of – so many teams are so much better on the road that other teams' home records aren't as good in the past five, six, seven years because of that. But when you look at this year's – just looking at this year's standings, the Rangers are ninth at home and ninth on the road. It's overall in the NHL, which isn't bad. You know, you have to mm-hmm. take some of the monsters out of the room. Boston is twenty-one and one and three at home, and thirteen, four and one on the road. In, in yeah. incredible. I mean, Boston's just playing phenomenal hockey. But once you leave Boston, you know, Toronto only has three road home losses. They're eleven and eight on the road, which isn't that great. But they're fifteen, mm-hmm. three and four. So the, the Rangers in the top ten in that category, uh, you, you gotta. It, it's not horrible. But it's, it's just where it is, you know. I I think there's a lot more pressure playing at home. I think there's a lot more pressure playing at Madison Square Garden. We've always said that than some other teams have at their home rink. I don't think the Columbus Blue Jackets have that pressure when they're playing on their ice. I don't know if Montreal does anymore because they haven't been as successful as the 1980s and, you know, in the early 90s and all. So it also depends on how your team has done over the last few years. But that road warrior concept seems to have grown from when the Rangers were winning all those road games, you know, in 2015 leading to the Stanley Cup Finals 
and so yep. forth. Now a lot of other teams have jumped on that. They've made it a a focal point because it's so important to learn how to win on the road because only a few teams have home ice advantage in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you have to be able to win that game seven on the road, which is so hard, or that game four on the road, which could be so hard, that game four, game five on the road if you're not in the top four, which is so hard to do. So you need to pick that up now. So I agree, it's not what it used to be. I think each sport is a little different. I don't think home field is important in football. I mean, you saw that yesterday with the Dallas-Tampa Bay game. Uh, yeah. With the Giant game. You know, I, I think I think a team rallies around going into that, like for football, going into that field and have everybody booing and yelling at them, and it's us against them. And I think in hockey yeah. they pick that up a lot. And, yeah. you know, hey, hey guys, look at Seattle. The Seattle Kraken just went 7-0 and on a seven-game yeah. road trip. The first time yep. in NHL history. Now, <laughs> you, you want to, now what? How does that? How does that happen, Steve? Right? Think about it. Seven and zero on a road trip in the NHL is unheard of on a seven-game stand. It's hard enough to be a West Coast team traveling all over the place. Yeah, and your franchise. Look at it, that. I'm just looking at that. They're ten and nine at home, and they're sixteen and four on the road. I Vegas so, thirteen and twelve at home and fifteen and three on the road. Edmonton is ten and eleven at home and fourteen and seven on the road. I mean, it's amazing That's how amazing. many teams have a great record on the road now. Vegas well, is starting to really put together. Go ahead, Denise. That, that that is actually a great point. Uh, and shoot, I even, I've heard uh, you know through the box scores and you know, following the, this game from afar that the Kraken had that amazing road trip. And that's just, that's just a, a franchise into the second year, not even a complete second year, a year and a half of seasons. And they're doing that. That's that's crazy. That's kind of like going to my point. Like, I mean, does home ice, I mean, home ice, of course, matters, but how much does it matter is the, the question I ask for not just our team, but just any team. Well, you got a team or a franchise rallying seven on the road. That's unheard of. Like nobody does yeah. that. Like that's hard to do. No now I will say this. Now, now you guys probably can answer this better than me, and I don't know the answer to this. And this is probably something I would probably love to research sometime. Is is it because also these teams they have charter planes? Most I think all teams now, pro teams have charter planes, so it's easy for them to travel on the road in 2023 versus maybe let's say 30 years ago where it was kind of not as easy. Most teams probably didn't have charter planes. You probably did have planes, but you probably had to wait at a gate at an airport or you had to take the train in some instances, the bus, like, I mean, so if you're the road team, you might be tired traveling city to city, depending on where you're coming from, the logistics on that, where I think that now most teams have planes. So it's easy to get to and from so you can perform better on the road. I mean, I think that could be a fact. What do you guys thought? So I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I wanted to see what your thoughts were. Go ahead, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that must be part of it. You know, I mean, they've got a comfortable ride. Um, I, I think the NHL also tries to, five star uh, hotels. you know, get with the Room yeah service. five star hotels. They, they eat well. They have nutritionists. They have, you know, everything. I'm sure on the road, uh, a comfortable flight. I think the NHL does a pretty good job of how they schedule uh, uh, away games. I mean, it's hard with Seattle being about as far away as it could be from anywhere. But, uh, you know, I think the NHL does a good job of kind of grouping road 
games uh, together where the flights in between aren't that bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's probably a number of things. But, I mean, I think the biggest thing is maybe a lot of these arenas just are not as intimidating as they used to be. Um, I think fans are, are, are different uh, a lot because of the uh, the prices. I know it's in New York, not as bad in, in other places in the country. But, um, you know, I, I think the prices have kind of limited – a lot of the maniacs from from uh, uh, from being there. I mean, I mean, you know, Steve. When we went to Philly, I was shocked with how you know nobody bothered us. People were nice. They were talking to us. I mean, Philly of all places. Um, so you know, I think it's part of that too that the arenas are just not as intimidating as used as it used to be, and and it's probably you know a mindset of the players too, where you guys say it's kind of us against. Uh, you know, 20,000 people. And, um, you know, I, I, so I think it's a bunch of things that go into it, but it, it would be really interesting to uh, to do a little analysis of that and try to figure out why, you know, hear from players, whatever, what they would think. But, oh, I mean, I think it's a bunch of things that go into it. If you look at the, if you look at the standings, See, I, I think the reason why it's so much harder to win at home and on the road because I think there are so many teams that are so much better. If you look at mm-hmm. at the the Eastern Conference, okay, so you're looking at 16 clubs. The 14th place, 15th place, and 16th place team is Ottawa, Montreal, and Columbus, respectively. Those three teams are more than one game under 500. Ottawa's 19 and 21. Montreal's 18, 23. Columbus is 13 and 28. The Flyers are 18 and 19. They have one game under 500. They're on the on my bubble. After that, the next 12 teams from the first place team in Boston all the way down to Detroit are all playing over 500 hockey. There are no, there aren't nearly as many soft teams in the NHL. It's the same mm-hmm. in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. The bottom four teams is the the bottom four teams: San Jose, Arizona. Anaheim and Chicago. Chicago is, is in the same category as Columbus. They're getting they're, they're way under. But everybody else, they're under 500. And then once you get to Vancouver in 12th, all the way up to the Winnipeg Jets, all those teams are way over, you know, 500 or better hockey teams. There aren't as many bad teams in the NHL. Mm. You used to go to mm-hmm. Ottawa. You used to go to the Devils. You used to go, I mean, years back to, to, to the Coyotes now too. San Jose was never this low, but, you know, over the years they've struggled. But what I'm saying is there aren't that many bad hockey teams. There's mm. a lot of parity in the NHL because of the salary cap. Keeps a lot of things on an even keel, which is what I like about it. I know a lot of people don't like the cap, but you want to know something? It keeps the, the, the playing field level. You don't have the same mm-hmm. teams that you do in the NBA or in Major League Baseball that are always at a different enchilon because of salary and, sure. and, 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 and money. And I think with that here, since you have so many teams that are even, it's harder to win the game home or away. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that has a lot. I think that has a lot to do with it. Unfortunately, you have your teams like, you know, who would think the Blackhawks would be 11 and 26? You know, even Columbus at one point was playing really good hockey a couple of years ago. They're 13 and 28. So, you know, they're on the bottom, the bottom two teams in the NHL, and you saw how poor. The Rangers looked really good yesterday, but Columbus looked really bad yesterday, except mm-hmm. for maybe a mm-hmm. five-minute period in the third period. Columbus, they, I, the Rangers dominated the first and second period like we haven't seen in a long time. 
the, the ice was just good, tilted good. into Columbus's end. It was it was amazing. It, it was after a while a, a little. I don't want to say boring because our team was winning, so I was enjoying it. But you know, <laughs> Columbus's Columbus's goal differential is minus sixty. Minus sixty goal differential. Same as believe it or not, yeah, you got to be Blackhawks. What is Montreal? Minus eighty-two. Montreal is minus forty-six. You got to beat them at home, though, man. It, it, it's minus you got no, no, Let me tell you, home, you got to beat them at home. Steve, you got to beat them at home. You got to beat them when they're playing the second leg of a back-to-back night against Chesterkin, mm-hmm. who was lights out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Chesterkin had a great. He had a great game. They just could not score. They could not score, That's and crazy. the power play killed them. I think. I think in the Montreal game, if I'm right, the Rangers were 0 for three on the power play before Montreal scored their power play goal, and it was mm-hmm. a power play goal, I believe, that Montreal scored to win it. Well, not to win it, but to to, to take the lead. So it, it was just one of those games when you kind of felt from opening faceoff, the Rangers looked good, then all of a sudden Montreal started finding a second gear. And I watched a lot of the Island or Canadian game Saturday night. That, that was a tough battle with the Islanders. I thought the Canadians would have came in a little tired. But even, uh, you know, now, of course, the Rangers do have the flu bug going around, but I don't go with that because every team is sick right now. Mm-hmm. But Gallant did let it slip after the overtime win that the team has the flu going around. The so guys have been missing practice. They've been going in and out of the lineup. They look a little flat-footed. But you can't say on Monday, on, on Sunday night against Montreal, it was the flu, and that's why they played like crap. And then Monday they looked so much better. They just took – they did one of those nights when they took a team for granted. And what does Steve Valichetto always say? You can't do that in this league because you'll get buried. And the Rangers lost the game and should have won. It was a waste yeah. of two points. But – you want to know, they did bounce back, which was important. It would have sucked if they would have lost to Columbus and going to play Boston on a two-game losing streak. So, you know, you know, Glenn, now they got their upcoming schedule is uh, – the Rangers' upcoming schedule is a little interesting. Um, you get the Bruins on Thursday. You get the Panthers on Monday. And then you got a hot Toronto Maple Leaf on Wednesday in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So – you think Crosby is playing any of these games? Mm, and Vegas. Well, we had you, you know we had talked about this earlier too that the Rangers had played a lot of the lesser teams in the league in the first half, and their schedule is mm-hmm. actually one of the the toughest in the league uh, from now to the end of the season because they haven't played a lot of the top teams in the league. So they're going to be running into these stretches now four or five games where. You know, they're playing all good teams. And, um, you know, the way we're talking about it, they kind of lift their play when they're playing good teams. Maybe that's a, a blessing in disguise. But, you know, it's still it's tough to, to to beat all of these teams when you have them just one after another over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a, a good challenge for them. I expect them to step up. I got to tell you, another thing we haven't mentioned, guys, the play of Halak. It's been night mm. night and day difference the last five games. Mm-hmm. What is he? Four and one in his last five, or something like that. He's won his last four road games. He's he's, he's looked like a totally. He looks like the goaltender that I anticipated to see when he started the season. I mean, the guy went what to is, December uh, without getting a win. What? How many goals has he given up in those wins, though? Because um, the the issue was he was giving up a lot of cheesy goals earlier on, but I think he did get a, some goal support in, 
in early in that win streak for himself? Like, do you have that number? I don't have it in front of me. Where, uh, yeah. How many goals? I'm just bringing it up now. In his last. Okay. Well, where did it go? Hold on. There we go. In his last five games, he's given up one, two, seven, ten. He's given up 14 goals in his last five games. Um, but with that, he's only lost one. Yeah, so okay. He gave up one goal to Columbus yesterday. He, oh, excuse me, he played in the Montreal game. He gave up one goal against the Canadians. Okay. He, he gave up, uh, he had three against the Panthers, and he had three against when we played the Flyers. Okay, I remember that. On the Flyers. Yeah, these games are yep. all scattered around because he doesn't play that much, but those were right. his last five games. So, okay, cool. Uh, excuse me. It wasn't the Montreal game was on. Excuse me, was on January fifth. It wasn't the last game they played. So in his last five starts, but now now you could go the other way with that. In his last three starts, he's only given up five goals. Yeah. So he's starting to play better. His his goal, his save. If you look at his save percentage, in uh, the fifth game of this five game segment was December third. He lost to Chicago Blackhawks, and his save percentage Mm -hmm. was eight hundred. Now, Terrible. with yesterday, his save percentage was a 96. It was a 960. Definitely. So, every game, as long as you're over that he's improved his play. Yeah, yeah he, he's great. definitely improved his play. He made – he's making a lot more saves. He seems to be much more into the game and focused. Whatever Benoit Allaire worked with or whatever they had to do, he found his game. And, you know, as a backup goalie, the Rangers have the, the – tomorrow – Thursday's game will be their 43rd game of the season. Halak's probably going to play maybe in – Galan said he's going to play in every back-to-back, one, one of the two. I don't know how many more back-to-backs they have. But I don't think he's going to play more than 10 or 12 games the rest of the way, if he even plays that much in the next, what is it, 41 games? Yeah. So 39 games. So he's going to have to be playing at this level the rest of the way because – the, the division is just so tight, as it always is. It's the best division in hockey, and it, it's just extremely tight. There's just not a lot of – the Rangers are in third place, right? Two points behind – 54 points behind the Devils. And the Devils have – yeah, four points behind the Devils. But in the wild card, Washington's got 54 and Pittsburgh's got 50. So they're seven. They have a little bit of a cushion right now. Uh Washington's been losing a little bit, which is good for us. The Islanders have been losing a little bit. They're not even in a wild card spot. Well, they're tied with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh yep. has a game in hand. So, But it's been not as dominating. It's nothing like last season. Last season, but you're still going to need 100 points to make the playoffs this year, I believe. Maybe not 108, yeah. but, you, you know, it's it's tight. It's very tight. There's a lot of hockey coming up. It, it's going to be a great run. Now it's just not a big – I, I like the line combos Galant's been putting out, don't you think, Glenn? Even without Cry. Yeah. He seems to yeah, have been absolutely. able to find – I think you know, there's been a lot of experimenting, moving guys around and everything, which you guys know I don't really care for that much. But, um, yeah, I think now, you know, the, the deployment of guys, once Kreider comes back especially, uh, people will be, you know, where they belong. Uh, as far as the lines go, and you know, I think a lot of probably stick that more than he did in the first half. 
Let me ask you guys a well, question think, about that. What, what you guys think as far as deployment? Um, do you think it's about time that uh, Keandre Miller replaces Truba on the second power play? Oh, definitely. I don't think it, I don't think it would. You want to? I, I take that back. I, I don't think it matters as much. They don't get that much ice time. Yeah, I know. If, if he's going to play, if he's going to, if he's going to even it out, yes. But if he's going to keep the number one power play on there for a minute and twenty, a minute and thirty, then it doesn't matter. Not going to get that many opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're I, right. I think I mean, that I has a lot to... to do with it. I think I think that has a lot to do with it. I, I can tell you. I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see Miller play with Fox in tighter games. I think if he's looking for that that go ahead goal, I think you're going to see. I, I think the experiment with Fox and Miller in the overtime game gave him another option that we might not have seen. I think Miller is ready for that now. He's mm-hmm. just so good out there. You know, yeah. think about it on a consistent basis. If he had Miller, I mean, it makes sense Lindgren and Fox and and Miller and True, but one stay-at-home defenseman who's solid back there and one offensive threat. But, you know, I'm almost thinking that you don't need to have Panama on the point on a power play the way Miller plays. You could, in essence, not put a, a fourth forward up there if you wanted to. How would you do it then? That's, that's another story. I mean, you could take Trocek off the power play and put Panarin up there with Kreider and Zimbanejad and have Miller and Fox. I mean, you could. Either way, it works, right? Either way, it works. It gives him more options with Miller getting to the level now that he's, they're really talking about him around the league. And you're yeah. reading about it and you're seeing it. Whoa, you know, whoa, whoa. They're, skating. they're talking about him around the league? They're talking about Kendra Miller everywhere, my friend. These last couple of yes, years, they are. He's he yes, is taking I mean, a step. Yeah, he's yeah, taking he's a what, step. five six years oh, behind us. RP and me, me, RP and I oh, been yeah. talking about him <laughs> since, he, <laughs> since the, the year he got drafted. But, <laughs> but, but even before but that, well, yeah, but before that, before that, when he was right, when he was with Wisconsin. But you have to remember, right. he's he's taking that step now. You know, I was thinking about it. If, if you look at the Rangers lineup. Who stands out more than the regular guys, more than, you know, the Banajad and Kreider and, and that? To me, it's been Miller and Heedle turned into the monster that we were waiting for. You know, he yep. may not score a lot of goals, but these guys can't get him off the puck. You know, and, and he's so smart. Valaket, well, not Valaket, Steve, Joe Micheletti t- told the story, I think it was last night, that he was having trouble. He couldn't figure out why he wasn't shooting the puck as hard and why he was having trouble with his shot. So he went back and looked at videos, and he realized he was using a different stick, and the lie of his <laughs> stick was off. And the heel of the stick was on the ice when he took a shot, but the front, the middle and front part of the stick was in the air a little bit, and he was hitting the <laughs> middle of the puck and not the whole puck. And he changed his stick, and he said his shots increased twofold from what it was. And they were showing mm-hmm. him yesterday, and they, they isolated on him. The kid just got some shot, and they can't get him off the puck. He hustles. He has no fear to go to the net. And to, to me, my, my favorite play this year really to watch has been Heedle. You know, out of the regular top six guys that are always, you know, how can you not love watching the way Mika Zabanajan has played this entire sure. season? But when you go, when you get off the top players, Heedle is right there. And, and they really, Heedle is a player that was developed that every organization wants to develop their young guys. That's why they have to be more patient with Lafreniere. He's going to get there. Because Heedle, 
refused to be sent down that year when, when Gordon was still the GM. Remember, he begged him to go to the AHL, and, and it paid off in dividends. He's gotten bigger and stronger. I mean, these are all young guys still, 19, 20, 21. They're, they're, they're young kids still mm-hmm. learning the NHL. But he definitely, in my eye, he, he's that guy that when he has the puck on his stick, you, you really start to watch because you know something's going to happen. He, he's a grinder. He can stick handle. He can back check. He, he's what you want an NHL player to be. So I, I've been really impressed yeah. with his play. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have a few points I want to say. That I want to I have actually a, a question or answer a question for that Truba and Miller swap at power play. But let me get back to that because uh, I was writing these notes down when you guys were speaking. Great notes. First of all, if this team is getting sick, RP, I've been recommending you when everybody really. But if you get in the flu, they got to get ginger tea, man. Like that will fix a lot of their their their, 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 their if they're getting the flu. <laughs> Get the, put the ginger yeah. in the tea, you'll be fine. And they're world-class athletes, you'll be fine in 48 hours. Like, that's number one. But number two, Keandre Miller and uh, Adam Fox, I mean, it's been the last couple of weeks, guys. Like, these are actually guys we've been calling out verbatim as far as progression. They are where we expect them to be. So if they're answering the bell since we've been speaking about them. So I, I got another name I want to throw out there so we can get some better production. Is it Capo Caco? Is he playing up the par the last week? Uh, the reason I bring that up as far as, you know, we remember going, we, I think was it two weeks ago, right? We said uh, Keandre Miller at where he was supposed to be, and I kind of got off Fox. But ever since Fox, yep. everything I said, well, I said ever, ever since the Fox, what I said about Fox, he's been producing, like production has been very good from what I'm hearing. Especially within the last week, though, especially the Minnesota game, you were at in the uh, uh, the game that you, you guys said that uh, he got the overtime goal, right? In the um, uh, what game was that? The overtime goal that was the Dallas game. That was Dallas, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, no, he yeah, got Fox the tying got the overtime goal. goal. He, going to Dallas game. He got, Fox got the overtime. Keandre got the tying goal. Right, right, right. but it's the same two guys in back to back games in a short week. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but now we need somebody. We need another Ranger. We need to want to see more. Maybe it is Lafayette. Maybe we should call his name out. Capital Capital. Whoever. Let's get another guy to step up and and, and let's see what it does. I want to go back to that one point I was talking about um, with the scoring. And it reminds me of what I was thinking about 2015 in ACF versus Tampa. Man, you, you guys remember that series very well. Where it was so weird. Where most like the Rangers couldn't score at home at all. We talk about it from time to time on the show. Where. It felt like I'd rather have the Rangers play Game Seven in Tampa Bay versus coming back at home because they couldn't even score at home in Game Five. They didn't yeah. score in Game <laughs> in Game Seven, but for whatever reason, on the road they were lighting it up. I remember Sard had a monster game. I think it was Game Six, and then uh, Game Five they had. I mean, not Game Four. No, Game Four they was they were on the road. They, they blew them out. So it seems like these teams, even going back maybe the last decade or decade or so, they just lighted up on the road. And, and the Rangers' case was the same thing. And but at home couldn't yeah. do nothing. It's weird. It's a weird yeah. dynamic. Weird. Then my two, my other two points as far as um, you guys said something about the upcoming schedule. I, I, what do you guys think as far as Boston and, and, and Toronto? I think we beat. Yeah, we beat Toronto at home. A very good win. One of our top five wins of the season, I guess, Maple Leafs at home. Give me your guys' expectations on that. But also, if you can answer my question, because I don't know the flow, ebb and flow of that power play situation you guys are talking about with Jacob Truba. You guys are saying you want to see Miller out there instead of Truba, but you guys are also saying at the same time, 
the second power play unit really ain't getting on unless it's like 20 seconds left. <laughs> so what, what do you guys yeah. you want to stand on those thoughts so I can understand where you guys come from because I haven't really been seeing it. Well, you know, really quick before we go to Glenn, the, the power play was 0 for 4 yesterday against a weak Columbus team. So oh, maybe you need to play the second power play unit a little bit more. It, it hasn't been clicking a lot. Um, he, he puts a lot of weight on, on, on the number one unit. And I don't see the difference between Miller and Truber if they're going to play 30 seconds. And he's going to try to split it up a little bit and give the opposition a different look Then maybe you should do it. So, you know, if it's not working, and I know you don't want to give up on it, but the power play is just – excuse me, they weren't 0 for 4, they were 1 for 5, excuse me. If you're not going to – Use the second line. And, by the way, Steve, the second power play unit scored that goal. Um, Goodrow scored from, believe, from Miller and yeah. Kako. It was a beautiful deflection. Miller took, I think it was a Kako over to Miller, a shot and a beautiful deflection in front of the net with, with 58 seconds left in the second period. You, you Maybe you need to put them out there. I think you need to get the opposition a little bit different look. Gallant seems to be more open to changing things and trying something new because it's been productive. And what do you think, when Second power play unit gets the – maybe they get to start the power play for a change and you see what happens? Well, you know, I, I had mentioned uh, two or three weeks ago um, that I would like to see the second unit get a little more power play time just because of who's on it. You know, uh, Lafreniere, Heedle, like you say. Um, I want to get those guys a little bit of uh, experience on the power play because – you know, let's face it, eventually they are the future, but, you know, this team is also built for now. Um, and I have said I'd like to see the second unit, you know, kind of split. It, it, if our power play, if the Ranger power play was in the top five, I would say, oh, okay, leave it alone, it's working, you know, don't fill around with it too much. Um, but it's not where it was, you know, as powerful as it was last year, where it really carried the team for long periods of time. Uh so, you know, I had mentioned a couple couple of weeks ago, I'd like to see the second unit get a little more. And obviously, if that second unit does get a little more time, then uh, I'd like to see Keandre Miller uh, on that second power play unit rather than Truba. But, you know, RP, you brought up an interesting uh, point that maybe take Trocek off that first line, or the first power mm-hmm. play unit, and mix it up a little bit that way. Um you know, I, yeah. I'd like to see, you know, we're talking about Heedle. I mean, Heedle almost kind of makes you think, we didn't know this in the off season, but Heedle kind of makes you think now, geez, he could be a, a, a second-line center. Did we even need to spend that money on Trocek? Um, I mean, obviously that was something we didn't hey, we, know we in said the that, yeah. But, you know, we now, I mean, Heedle is showing to me, he could be a second-line center. He could be on uh, on the power play. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of interesting what you brought up about maybe moving Trocheck off because I don't think he necessarily has a lot of chemistry that you would say, oh, you don't want to don't want to take him off the first power play, um, you know, and take him off and and and, and put Heedle on that the first power play or you know Lafreniere if you want to uh, give these guys a little more of an opportunity on the power play too, and I would like to see that. I I would rather see it kind of split close to fifty fifty. Um, and, uh, you know, because the second unit has scored a couple of goals now. So I'd like to see yeah. a little little more 50-50 and see where we go from there. 
I agree. Their, their power play is ranked 15th in the league. It's only a 22%. Yeah. You, you need you need to get that into the top 10. So if you're going to start working on something for the playoffs, you, you need yep. to get the power play working because in those tight games, and we've seen it through some of the – I mean, they haven't had a lot of losses in the last month and a half. But in the games that they have lost, their power play has been the, the, weakened, the weakened part of it. You need – you need to create some offense, and the only problem with the power play is everybody knows that they're trying to get the puck to Zabanajan for that one timer. Yeah, and you need to change it up a little bit. I mean, even the Capitals have gone through this when Ovechkin always scored from the top of the circle, and then when he wasn't, the teams were favoring him. They had to use backs from Oshie. They they had to find a different plan, and then go back to Ovechkin. And the Rangers need to do the same thing because the entire league mm-hmm. knows they're setting up Zabanajan. Or they're trying to set up uh, Panarin from the middle of the slot from the point. So I, I'd have no problem with them, you know, putting Miller up there. I, and really quick, guys, since Carter's been out, Lafreniere has been playing on the number one power play unit. Right. They just haven't scored. But then again, when Carter was there, they weren't scoring a lot. So you can't really say, oh, it's because Lafreniere's on it. He's, he's mm-hmm. a pretty guy. He reminds me a little bit, little bit of an Adam Graves with the attitude that I'm going to stand in front of the net and take a beat. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't get the benefit of scoring the goal the way Gravy used to, and that, right. that'll come with more experience and time if he if he gets it if he's allowed it. But I, I think they need to find something to re-energize the power play, something to yeah. get that most important goal. You know, you're losing you're losing games by one goal, and if you lose them like the other night, they they had no power play goals and they gave up a power play goal. Now you're losing on men. Special teams is why you're losing, and that's not something the Rangers have been known to do for a while. So they, they need to generate a different atmosphere, a different idea to find a way to get the puck in the net with the man advantage. How are you, yep. how you guys both feel about even strength uh, the hockey? Because that was the whole thing we were saying last year. The power play was saving our lunch when the even strength wasn't really doing their job. What do you guys say now that the power play is not clicking, the even strength needs to pick up? or what? How do you feel about that? It's still up and down, right, Juan? It's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, inconsistent is the way. They're not lighting it up. Yeah, they're not lighting it up. But but it's not from a lack of shots. It's a lack of finishing again. The Rangers have been getting a lot of shots on that. The Rangers have been cycling in the other end. They've been aggressive. It's just sometimes they're snake bitten. They go through these large stretches like Kravstov scored last night. And what was it, his first goal in 12 games? Lafreniere hasn't scored in 15 games. Um, we're very top-heavy with the scoring. Zabanajad, when Carter was in the lineup, Hanarin. It's a top-heavy team. And if you remember, Steve, we had that a couple of seasons ago. They were a very top-heavy team. Now, their third line, you would think their third line would be scoring more because the third line in our last game was Kropstov, Hedl, and Gaudreau. Not a bad third line. Goodrow's a very versatile player. He can play all over the place. Mm-hmm. So you got to think, I'm thinking, and Glenn, you, you chime in on this, when Kreider comes back, he obviously goes with Zibanejad and Kako again. Sure, sure. Panarin, Tro, Trocek, and I'm thinking, Laf- uh, see, Lafreniere would be on the off wing, so that's hard. VC has mm-hmm. to come off that line. Mm-hmm. So do you put Kraftsov on the right wing? Do you put Lafreniere on the right wing? You take Goodrow and put him back down to the fourth line, get rid of Blaze, and Goodrow, Lich, Sissons, and Brzezinski is a damn good fourth line. 
Mm-hmm. He's better with Gutierrez. Even though the fourth line doesn't get a lot of ice time, I feel when Gutierrez on that line, they get some offensive production. It's not just a fourth line to keep them from scoring. In their end, the other team can't score. They can't get out of their end. Right. I think Gutierrez's been. I think Gutierrez got the concussion. Of course, they're never going to say it. But he took those back-to-back hits, and he hasn't been back since. He got. He collided with Blaze. I don't know if you were here for that, Steve. He collided with Sammy Blaze. They both left the ice bloody. Gutierrez didn't return, and then he came back in and took a. He got sandwiched in the Minnesota game with Reeves and I forgot who it was. Demel, I think it was. I mean, he got plastered in between the two of them, and he hasn't played since. So back-to-back head injuries. He's probably got the concussion. You don't know when he's going to come back. So this gives a guy like Lecisions a great opportunity, whether it's Blaze on the other side or Gutierrez if he ever comes back, to, to show what he can do. But their balance of the four lines is going to be tested a little bit when Kreider comes back. But I, I think they have the right combinations, and they've played, like Glenn said, They've had so many lines, combos, that go on to know what works by now. Yep. Yeah, and that's why I kind of put up with it in the first half because I figured, you know, we, <laughs> we did have a bunch of new guys come in. Um, you got the kids you, you want to give more responsibility to. So, um, you know, it was kind of like, all right, I can, I can deal with him experimenting, try to figure out, you know, who fits where. Uh, you know, I, we were always complaining about VZ being on the first line. It's like, you're not going to win a cup with Jimmy Vesey on the first line. But, you know, it may have been so that he could manipulate the, the bottom six a little bit to kind of see, you know, what works and what doesn't. I mean, I think Vesey eventually is going to be, you know, in the bottom six is where he, you know, should be. Um, and I think, you know, that that uh, fourth line could really be dynamic. I'll admit I don't know a lot about Lecision, uh, but uh, I think Gautier with his speed – uh, kind of back teams off a little bit, and uh, um, you know Brzezinski is a hard uh, a hard worker. Um, so uh, you know I I think that they, the the he, he's kind of trying to figure out who's going to work with there as they get closer and what he wants the the lines to be for the playoffs. Um, so you know I know he did a lot of experimenting with it, but you know something I want to ask you guys. You brought his name up. What do you guys think about the play of Kraftoff? in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I think he seems a little more comfortable, uh, not so, uh, you know, kind of afraid to make a mistake or whatever. Not where we want him to be mm-hmm. yet, but I, I feel like I'm seeing a little bit of improvement in him too. What do you guys think? No, I, I agree. I think he's not he, – I think he learned how to take a hit. Remember yeah. early in the year he was getting hurt. He was getting – he was putting his body into bad positions because he wasn't – I guess he just wasn't – prepared for the kind of heading you get when you're playing consistently mm-hmm. every night in the NHL. Um, he seems much more confident when the puck is on a stick than he has, I think, any time yeah. that he's lower range of sweater. I mean, he's, he's trying, he's making plays. I think it's benefited with him to practicing with Canaran. I think he's yeah. found some more confidence. He's, he's slowly becoming the player that the Rangers drafted. He's still not scoring a lot. He's always scored a, scored a nice goal last night. I forgot who made the pass, though. He put it right on a stick in the crease. We're right into that. It was a beautiful goal. But, yeah, I agree with you, Glenn. I think he's definitely coming around. You know, the Rangers have a lot of young guys, and, and they're they're playing pretty well. I mean, they were mm-hmm. talking about that on the telecast last night. Uh, Joe and Sam were saying they they got a good group of young guys, and they're, they're young. 
and I think it's all funny in a game at, at, at different levels because it's all gone a different way for them. Heedles, the way Heedles come up, the way they've handled Kako, Lafreniere has been getting a roar and stuck on the third line a lot of the times and just hasn't found his rhythm, but, but he's a, a, a gritty player, and he, I don't think he lets that bother him. He plays wherever they put him, and he's going to play to his best. I, I'm a Lafreniere mm-hmm. fan. I, I think he's going to – I, I like his game. He just, he just hasn't scored a lot. He, he's snake-bitten, and we've seen that with Heedle. You know, we see that with Kako now. We see that with Kraftstop. The young guys that you expect to be putting the puck in the net more, it just hasn't happened. Kako's development hasn't happened as the way Jack Hughes of the Devils has. For whatever reason, you know, Kako's playing on the first line now, normally with Zabanajan and, and Kreider, so you can't say it's where he's playing. And he's learning to drive to the net more and do more, but for whatever reason, the development's just a little slower. That's not I'm saying create him or dump him or move him down. I think people need to be – I think it's hard for fans, you, you know, Steve, to be patient with the number two overall draft pick out of a, out of a draft. They just yeah. expect more out of them. And sometimes it's just a huge – you know, people don't realize that Hughes played in the United States Development League and Kako played overseas. Different hockey. Yeah. Yeah. It's less hitting. It, it, it's, it's just different hockey. He came up in, in, in the U.S. League. He was getting his ass kicked everywhere he goes, and he was scoring. And he was used to the, the hitting and the grinding and what it takes. And it still took him time. I, I think mm-hmm. he's a much better player now than when he was drafted and he went through a tougher time to get to where he had to go, you know, on ice activity-wise. So I think fans need to understand that. It's just different. But, of course, you forever you're going to have that comparison because they were the number one and two players picked in that draft. So for his career, Kako's going to be compared to you. It's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Well, I think, I think they, it was a fair I, point. Oh, oh, let me get this in, uh, and I'll let you go. go ahead, so uh, I know we're running out of time, but to answer your question about the craft store, I, I'll say this. I don't know how much time he has on the ice over the last couple of weeks. Not in front of me or don't re- actually recall. But the Hedo situation to me was more of what Lafayette, in my opinion, the Lafayette situation is currently why we are not seeing his production. Because if you want instant results, give him where he's more comfortable. Lafayette needs to be at left wing. He's kind of thrown at right wing because of mm-hmm. of uh, being a team player and just this and that. He should just – some guys are just comfortable where they're why, – why you drafted them in the first place. And I think that's probably something I'll have to mm-hmm. address next week. I'll write it down and bring it to the, to the – because I know we're, not, we're out of time. But the Hedo situation, the problem with him, remember, RP, we talked about this, all those games in that regular season because they kept on putting him at wing. And then because mm-hmm. they went B.S. Anderson playing center. And yeah. when you finally put Hedo at center, you saw the flashes come. Like, he's better at center because he's a streak. He's a guy who's going to blow through mm-hmm. the zones right in the middle of the ice. He's kind of, I would say he's useless, but he's far more productive as a center, and that's why he's developed more with the experience and the time on the ice than he was when they first threw him in that wing. Like, it made no sense, man. Man, we talked about that years ago. I agree. At that time. Yeah. All right, so well, um, we're just about at the end here, Steve. So, Glenn, we'll do final thoughts, Steve. Yeah, if we do that, we go Glenn and go to me, and then you, you can close the show, RP. Go ahead, Glenn. What you got? All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think, uh, like I said, this stretch coming up to the range is going to be very interesting. The division is so tight. They, they've they created a little bit of a cushion between themselves and the Islanders and Pittsburgh. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've already given away too many points 
uh, this season already. Uh, case in point, the Montreal game uh, on Sunday. So, um, you know, I think this stretch is going to be very interesting to see if they can lift their play uh, against some of the better teams in the league, and then we'll really get a, a good feel for, uh, you know, how the rest of the season is going to go. Uh, it, it's great that Halak is, has uh, kind of found his game a bit because, you know, you always need uh, you always need the backup to get you some, some wins and uh, can't totally, uh, you know, depend on Igor, uh, you know, because he's obviously going to be playing in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I think there's still some things for this team to, to work out, uh, a couple of, you know, line combinations and things. But um, I think everything is headed in the right direction. Uh, I, I Maybe I'm fooling myself, but I really think this team, when it plays at its best, can play with any team, uh, any other team in the league. And we'll certainly see that against Boston if that's the case. But, I mean, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of hockey, as you guys know. Um, you know, I look at Toronto. I still think their goaltending is suspect. Um, you know, the teams in the East, you know, we Rangers have beaten them already before. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like they're, you know, better than some of those teams like Washington and the Islanders and, uh, and Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, I think the next couple of weeks is really going to set the tone for the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they play against some of these top teams. Yep. Definitely agree. What you got for us, Steve? Oh, final thoughts, man. There's so many thoughts, but my final thoughts. Um, <laughs> I thought I love the conversation on Keandre and Adam Fox tonight, and also the uh, the uh, road performances across the board versus the home team. Uh, I, I I think that's something we I need to study on and come back with you guys with some 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 purposes, some evidence. But my final, final thought, because there's so many thoughts, and I think next week or next couple of weeks, I definitely want to get back into this, put Lafreniere at left wing, to, uh, left wing, because that is, I think, is part of the problem, because we do this position by committee stuff. We have logjam at certain guys. This is the same issue we had with Hedo, and people got on, our fans and, and press got on Hedo, when you know the guy's better at center. I mean, you got to put, sometimes you got to play guys where they're the best at. That's just the way it works, you know. You, you're a guard, you play in, in basketball, you're a guard, don't try to be a four. If you're a four, don't try to be a guard. It's just that simple. Last thought, my last final thoughts, RP, thank you, man, and staying up with you guys, and we'll be back on next Tuesday. I don't know whether it's a post game or I don't know if we got a game next Tuesday or not. Like, I don't have the schedule in front of me. But there's one thing I do want to see if you guys watch these games in the next couple of uh, – for the next week. Let's see that second power play, you know, because at one point I was kind of not on board with it. But if they're not performing like you guys say, and I believe you guys for your word because you guys know your shit, get the second power play unit out there. Let's shake things up, man. I'm with that. Blee blue. I hear you. And, uh, you know, my final thoughts are it, it's going to be a fun second half of the season coming up. Chesterkin's going to have to ride that horse all the way through. Um, you know, Whatever one they put out there, whoever's playing on what lines, the guys have to score more consistently on five-on-five. They have to find their power play and get back to where it was. They have to get some stronger penalty killing. And, um, you know, the the players that you expect to step up have to keep stepping up. The Vanderjots just having an outstanding season. When Kreider comes back, he's in continual. You know, he was on a 40-goal pace before the injury, so we hope he picks that right back up. And... Patience, you know, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. The, the goal is to make it to the playoffs and then really 
light the fire and, and see how far we can go again this year. So keep following me on Ranger Proud and Empire Blue Shirt, uh, Empire Sports Media, excuse me, Forever Blue Shirts <laughs> on my writings and all. And uh, Steve, you enjoy the rest of your trip, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. I was about to say, you're a new writer for the Columbus Blue Jackets now, man. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, you can't, I can barely find time to write as it is anymore, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep plugging away at it as we can. All right, man, we'll be back next Tuesday, and, you know, hold the fort down, man. I look forward to it. All right, we close the show. Leave blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue.